Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my talk about why world tiers need to come to Destiny. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, or any of the podcast audio platforms, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. That'll bring you to the YouTube channel. You can click subscribe and the bell button. That helps me out. If you want a direct paid membership to get the perks in the Discord or being able to submit questions or VIP call-ins, click the join button or go to sntrpresents.com for the Patreon. So I am going to explain what world tiers are before I get into my argumentation because some people actually aren't familiar with the term. So I'm actually grateful that people were coming in this morning. They're like, what's a world tier? That's good for me to know because like I was just assuming people knew what it was. Um, after I sort of establish what a world tier is, I'm going to talk about the end game problem in Destiny. What's the end game problem and how the game kind of cannibalizes itself. Then I want to talk about the director change. The director, when you click on it and you see all of the different planets, why I believe the director should change at a certain point in the game every season. And then I want to end by talking about difficulty spectrum and adepts. Difficulty spectrum and adept gear, I think, can come together and really land this plane nicely. So first, what is a world tier? A world tier is essentially the ability to do what you do on a nightmare hunt or a nightfall. You would go to a particular planet or activity, whether this is strikes, an adventure, or a a public space planet, and you would pick the actual difficulty tier. Now, you would want to be careful, I think, in Destiny, to maybe only do two, a normal and a heroic, because you wouldn't want to split up the community too much and then have the public space feel very barren and empty. Same with strikes. It would be nice to have normal and heroic strikes, and then you could probably squish the spectrum here a little bit and go down to four, uh, so that there's there's like two normal versions and then maybe two heroic versions, so that it doesn't completely upset the balance of difficulty spectrum in the game. That is what I think they need to add to the game, and the reason why I'm going to start my basic premise is built upon the end game problem. Once you hit max level, 90% of this game simply does not matter. The strikes, they're removing the story playlist, adventures, lost sectors, public events, you know, heroic public events, none of these things, public spaces, activities like a public activity, like contact, they just slowly don't matter to you any longer and they sort of become totally irrelevant. This has been a problem in the game for a long time that once you sort of get to the end and you're grinding Vogue each week for your Galahorn, Vexmith, the class, or your Forever 29, 90% of the game is largely ignored by you and I think there are solutions to remove that. I'm not saying that's terrible and awful and ruins the game, but it seems unfortunate to have so much content created we've referenced the panopti story mission before a lot of the adventures are really really good some of the lost sectors actually play really well when we had the renown and it was really difficult they felt a lot different they felt you know interesting and i think that's just a shame to have all these areas created that you fundamentally spend very little time in as a hardcore endgame grinder loot hierarchy is also a potential threat here it's also a potential threat and the reason i say this is because if the only adept weapons or the good gear or the good weapons if they're only in grandmasters dungeons raids flawless trials that again kind of cannibalizes the rest of the game for the hardcore player base it kind of consumes it and then it's irrelevant there's no reason to run strikes or low level nightfalls or the even the season content or the public space areas or any of the new adventures or new lost sectors they just don't matter 
loot hierarchy stands to threaten all of those environments as well as becoming very meaningless to you. So when I get to the end of the video, I'm going to talk about how that could work where adept weapons and difficulty spectrum and world tiers could all live in a happy marriage. Why run old content if the best loot's up at the top? And why run old content when there's just literally no reason to once you hit max level, the challenges and the milestones generally fall in importance. Second, let's talk about director change. This is something that I've advocated for for a very long time. Once you hit max level, this entire director should change in appearance with respect to like, hey, you're now in the end game. You are now sort of done with the preliminary leveling grind. This is another reason to make leveling fairly quick and streamlined and, you know, not something that happens by sheer luck or oh I had a really good week so you hit max level and then it says hey welcome to the new end game so all of this would change all of those little dots that you see maybe even the little sidebar that pops out when you have like the quest that you have for interference or means to an end you know it's kind of like hey these are things you can do there's a handful of ways to do this number one daily targeted items so you could peruse the various planets core activities and locations uh, or hoppers and say, okay, what's the daily targeted item today for Europa or the strike playlist, Crucible Gambit? There's something that is a daily targeted drop and you kind of go through that ritual three times. So it's three times per account depending on, you know, if you feel like only running your hunter, maybe you only have a hunter. Maybe you want to run on all three, uh, you know, all three of your characters. So three. Also, Currency drop rates, materials, and bounty speed completion could be sped up when you look at the director and see, I now have the option to go into different versions of the public space. Heroic or, you know, normal heroic. When I go into heroic, things complete faster. I'm getting the materials needed. This is how it works in Nightfalls right now. You get an increased chance of the drop rate of the materials that you need to master work the weapons, and those things go up. Uh, If you had the weapon boon idea where you're getting the weapon boon from a particular NPC and they're, you know, giving you a chance at them dropping, the chance drop rate of really coveted weaponry and items would obviously then go up as well when you go into the harder difficulty areas. What you would do is you could maintain loot hierarchy while giving purpose to the lower echelons of the content and how would that look because obviously if the best adept weapons and gear are in the raid and trials how are you going to make me care about grinding a hard strike playlist or a hard public space so let's talk about difficulty spectrum right now if you sort of envision in your mind going for trials guns and loot and getting the normal versions on the lower end of the card and then there's the adept versions in the flawless chest you would essentially take that structure and put it everywhere so if there's a loot pool for Europa armor and a handful of guns you would have adept versions of all of that so if you happen to choose you know what I'm going to grind Europa at the harder difficulty it's going to be tough stuff's going to be dropping more materials quicker earn rate quicker, quicker completion of my bounties but also a really good chance or an improved chance or maybe it's the only way to get it, of adept versions of all those weapons dropping. You're now creating loot hierarchy within every structure and structure and spectrum of the game so that it doesn't suddenly shrink down into a, a tiny symbol's worth of content where, well, I'm max level and I want to go for adepts. There's only two places to do that, Raider Flawless Trials. You would take this 
spectrum of difficulty and spectrum of loot and you would put it everywhere in the game this would then obviously give Bungie a reason to update the loot pools in the crucible gambit and the vanguard why well because you're going to get a lot of capital out of it you create an armor set you create one or two weapons a season Uh, obviously the armor sets are probably going to be annual with the way they're setting them up but at the very least the guns could be dropping in a depth version so if i'm grinding strikes there's a vanguard you know auto rifle and the adept version only drops if i go into heroic strike playlist that's the only place for it to work maybe that's the only way the boon for for the uh you know the the better version of the gun only drops in there and also maybe the currency needed for that weapon boon is expensive and you have to run the higher end strikes to get more of that currency so the earn rate is sort of in sync with each other there's almost a harmony between the earn rate of the currency and the harder strike playlist and the and the need to purchase the boon periodically because the biggest barrier that would be here in Bungie saying strikes, planets, adventures, lost sectors all now have difficulty spectrum the biggest barrier is you need a worthy loot incentive. Why on earth am I going to make Europa really really painful? Why on earth am I going to make strikes take longer? Because generally we all go into strikes and we run them as fast as we can and we kill almost none of the enemies. I really think per season a spectrum of gear, normal and adept needs to be everywhere and i know what happens when we get season to season it's about 25 to 30 weapons they're primarily focused on the seasonal content as well as hopefully updating the core activities and the world loot pools i think you get more bang for your buck if those weapons themselves have the normal version and the adept version and just like we've always said with trials you can be really generous with the normal versions so your casuals and mid lane players are getting tons of weapons from these core activities or from the seasonal activities and they feel like their time is well spent. And then for those of us that go up to the next difficulty, we are getting the best versions of those weapons. We feel we're being rewarded accordingly. I still think you'd need some hierarchical difference between, like, obviously weapons that you're getting from a Heroic Strike playlist maybe can't be as good as raid weapons. Maybe raid weapons are adept, but also have contextual power in the raid itself, like we had with Oracle Disruptor on the VOG weapons, to kind of keep them distinct and still worth pursuing, even though there might be some adept weapons elsewhere outside of the raid so as always we're going to transition to Q&A and VIP call-ins those are perks for paying members if you've used Patreon or the join button that supports me directly and then you can interact with the content in that way as always if you're watching or listening in the other locations please like share and subscribe Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that follow my talk about Destiny needing world tiers. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or any of the podcast platforms out there, that's where SNTR Presents can be found. You can also watch live on YouTube. Just go to saynotorage.com and you can click subscribe and the like button. Uh, and the bell button that'll help you not miss these live streams. So first question is coming in from Vason. What kind of rewards did you expect to chase in the hardest difficulty of world tiers? Cosmetic, titles, gear, weapons, should they be endgame viable? So in the talk, essentially what I said was, and we can flesh this out a little bit more now that I'm not pressed for like the 10 minute time format. I basically said adept weapons, the way they function in trials, could also work in this environment. So adept weapons traditionally in D1, and we're assuming it'll work similarly in Destiny 2, they're only accessible and earnable in the flawless chest. 
And then when you're just playing normal trials, wins 3-5, uh, and bounties and all of that, guns and gear are dropping at the lower echelons, and they're not adept. Uh, and so, you could do the same thing here. If the world pool had a couple of weapons and an armor set, I think cosmetics titles and things like that could also be a great motivator. But, anybody playing on Europa or the new seasonal content could get the guns to drop, and they're dropping normal. This is actually a great you know, reason for Bungie to have a really healthy drop rate on the weapons themselves. They can be super generous for the same reasons they can be super generous with the Trials loot. It's not the Adept version. It doesn't really matter. So you can, you know, you can be really, really generous. Then you go into the hard mode, and now you're getting the chances at the Adept versions. Uh, and on the armor... I don't know necessarily know if they'd be able to do anything with the armor. They don't seem interested in drowning us in armor sets with how they're doing the uh, Vanguard, Crucible, and Gambit armor sets, where the you know their only difference really is not the the geometry; it's the the what they call the, the decals. And so, I think in this regard, you would probably be able to get away with this if it was like one or two weapons a season. This is why I've continued to say Gambit Crucible and Vanguard need loot pool updates to give me a reason to run those activities. Because if not, you're going to run into the same problem we run into now, and that is 90% of the game just doesn't matter once you're done leveling. And this is why I think we've been letting them sort of get away with not enough reinvigoration and repurposing of old content and old activity, you know, centers because we're like, oh no, it's fine Uh, we use that for leveling and leveling is slow and so most people don't notice that actually if you level up quickly and then you go run that old content, you're like, there's literally no reason to come here. And then they made it, you know, they, they now they're giving you plus one pinnacles but even that I, I just don't think is a good enough reason. I, I've continued to really push for this idea that the entire game changes once you hit max level. Everything looks different, there's new bounties, there's new pursuits, there's new daily targeted grinds or or whatnot that are not available to you until you hit max level. This is a great reason to streamline leveling as well. You don't need to make leveling take a super long time. You don't need to make it to where it's it's RNG based or slow or, or any of the other things we've grown to hate about leveling could go away you're allowed to be generous and speedy with things if they slowly aren't the sort of end goal so because the true end goal of trials is to get the adept weapons you can be really generous with the normal weapons in the lower you know echelons oh the lower games on the card And you can make a similar argument here that the true destination of the player, the true place that you're going to want to use to grind for adept weapons, weapon boons, cool-looking armor, cosmetics, those types of rewards, if the true destination is to get max level, that's when things really start to turn for you. Well, that, that means you can make leveling go quickly. You don't need to drag leveling out. It's just a rite of passage. It's just a way to institute the next difficulty spectrum. It's just a way to enforce sunsetting. It's just a way to give that sense of progression so that you're not feeling like that it's just a sort of a static game experience. But fundamentally, I think that if if they don't change leveling, then stuff like this could not land. It wouldn't work. 
because you would get stuck at a lower echelon of 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 level you'd get stuck and then you'd feel landlocked you'd be like well i would love to go run the targeted farms i would go i would love to go run those other activities and those other those other things and you wouldn't be able to you'd get stuck and that's where i think the real secret is is you're totally well in your right we've said this so many times you are totally well within your right to give the guns away very very generously in trials if you add adept weapons it's very very easy it's like well it doesn't really matter because they, because these aren't the true destination these aren't the true end game uh, chase and so we can give them away for free leveling is the same idea if the true end game if the true end of the season is not if it's not actually over and just because you hit max level if it's truly beginning then you're totally well within your right to speed up leveling if that makes sense. I see the two things being very, very equal in that regard as if you are not making that the primary thing that people are chasing or the primary sort of now I'm quote unquote done with destiny. If you do that, then generosity, speed of leveling, all of these things, it's not going to mess the game rhythm up. People aren't going to suddenly feel like, ah, there's no sense in playing. I'm getting done too quickly. There's no sense in playing. I'm getting things too fast. Uh, The grind is over. The god rolls are in my hands. I'm done. No, 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 no. You add that extra sort of end game destination tier and sense, and then no one, no one's going to think, oh, well, this is all too fast. One of the reasons I think people rail against the idea of making sure that that leveling doesn't go too fast is they see it as content. They see it as content. Instead of seeing leveling as just a process where when you're done, you go into new content structure and new systems that previously were inaccessible to you. They did something kind of like this in Destiny 2 Vanilla where there was stuff with the gunsmith you couldn't do until you hit a certain level. And it gave you this sense of, man, I better... I better, you know, when I get to that level, everything's going to kind of change. And they kind of do it now. I think when you hit 1050, they're like, oh, now all this stuff's available to you. So they're getting closer to what I have in mind when I talk about this. And to me, max level would be the 1050. Pinnacle's not max level. Pinnacle's like an extra grind for hardcore players if they want to pursue it. 1050 is the gear max, and then 1060 is like the pinnacle max. If we want to get technical and split hairs, I'm not interested in having that debate with people. I don't care how you define it. In my mind, if Bungie was going to have the game flip and change when somebody hit quote-unquote max level, it would be the 1050. And then the 1060 would be that optional pinnacle grind if you wanted to do it. Um, That's a way of layering the rewards in the endgame anyway. If you layer the rewards in the endgame where I'm chasing god rolls in the dungeon flawless trials in the raid but i'm also getting that pinnacle bump as a way to 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 you know to stand out a little bit or to or, you know to level my character beyond level cap um then i think that's totally fine that gives a little bit more of a bump and a little bit more of a you know uh oh well at least the raid i got you know a, a pinnacle bump this week 
I was just curious to what you considered max. Right, I'm not saying you were. I just know when I was saying 1050 and splitting it that way, I was like predicting the hair splitting argument that somebody might try to have. You're like, well, actually, Lono, the true end game. I'm sorry, the true level cap is 1060. I don't care how you define it. In my mind, you would still save that pinnacle grind as like an extra additive level grind for people that want to do it in the end game, but it wouldn't stand as a barrier for people. Because the way I'm looking at this, you would go to the tower and go to Zavala. He'd have bounties. He'd have a seasonal rank. He'd have weapon boons that were inaccessible to you until you hit 1050. And if you make 1050 happen virtually automatically, as long as they go through that first week or two of that ritual sort of rite of passage, now all of a sudden they show up. The tower's different. The director's different. There's all these new things for them to do. It gives you that seasonal soft reset where everything's kind of getting reset, starting over fresh, some new things to chase in each of the activities, a new seasonal activity with its own loot. I think whenever you go into that that kind of a system nobody would defend slow leveling people would understand why it's important to have fast leveling because like well that leveling is not really the primary means of the content anymore you do it for like a week or two and then you jump into all the other things that unlock when you hit max level Jakuski says um Oh, my wife checked the P.O. box. Yeah, that's he said that was there today. Um, he said he was sending coffee from like a local place that he thinks is really good. Smell good? I'm doing a Q&A right now. So, oh, my wife says, what is that? Yeah, that's Michigan, babe. Sorry. My wife, babe, don't be that way. My wife was born in Ohio. <laughs> so she, I'm not a traitor. Uh, anyway. Uh, Jakuski with the next question. What kind of milestones would you set for unlocking increased world tiers? Simply a power level or would there be a specific action or story behind milestones for each player to reach before proceeding? A combination of both. Uh, I don't know. The way I look at it, I would think that you would set it up you would set it up in a way where you would pretty much kind of level how we do now and then but but faster and then milestones would become something else now you're saying what kind of milestones would you set for unlocking the world tiers i think it would really just be related to level cap you would hit that season's new level cap and then you would that that would be your goal and then that unlocks all the extra stuff that unlocks the daily targeted items that unlocks the bounties the boons the all the things that the npcs so when you come, that is that is essentially what I'm driving at here. I don't know if I would want to turn this into a whole new grind, where you got to do this and this and get this triumph and this checklist done and this checklist done to unlock all of the world tiers. You, number one, I don't even know if you would want that many. You'd probably just do two: a normal and a heroic. Normal heroic strike. Normal heroic public space. And then I think you could, I think you could trim down nightfalls to just have four uh, difficulties instead of instead of five. You could have the two low levels that are match made and the two master grandmaster, so that it still gives that semblance of like normal and heroic are being broken into kind of like two categories. Um, normal being the two lower ones that you can match make in, and the and the quote unquote heroic or hard or whatever. Um, that's where you would uh, do it. 
I was born and raised in Michigan. Went back to uh, went to Texas for about four years, uh, but wanted to move back. You like Michigan? Yeah. Wolverine says, "Tell her O.H." Yeah, there you go. So, this uh, he, I, b- I believe it was from was it, it was real King Salty? I think that sent it. He sent the Playa Grande, which is caramel grapefruit, strawberry, Guatemalan beans. That one smells really good. And then we've got the uh, Theodores, which is El Salvador. And it is uh, some Valencia orange, white chocolate, and Panella? Maybe Panella? I think you need two L's for the uh sound, so I don't know. Panella? I'm not sure, but they smell amazing. Uh, yeah, but... But to, to, but to finish answering Jakuski's question, I do think I do think that the if you're if you're gonna require um, if you're gonna require people to do a bunch of different things before they can go into the various world tiers, you just have to be really really careful with it. I just imagine it being a hit max level and then an announcement pops up and you see this stuff and then you you're like oh everything's different now that's how i envision it being you went to college at ohio university in athens and moved to akron to go to kent you were really close to where i lived then because i lived in canton ohio growing up um so next question from nagi says what could make mid-tiers worthwhile while them feeling like a means to an end yeah, this is where I think if we tried to go full-blown world tier where there was like four or five, it could get a little dicey for a handful of reasons. Number one, would the middle tiers be a barren wasteland? Would it be really, really hard, you know, to find people in the area? So are you going to go into the public space and it just like nobody's really there? And then the other reason I think that you're hinting at is... It, w- it really wouldn't feel worthwhile because it would be like the true end goal is to get at those higher echelons of, of level and then when I get to those higher echelons of level that's where I feel like I'm getting like the true uh, the true rewards because at the end of the day if the, as you're saying if the two in the middle are literally just a means to an end if they're, you, you must do these or you must transcend through these levels to get to the true the true levels that's when I think people would start to check out they'd be like I don't want to do all this 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 seems this seems like uh, almost almost like a I'm trying to think of a good uh, of a good example or a good analogy where you're not really wanting to do it but you have to I think you said it best when you said it's just a means to an end I think that's pretty good um, to say that you there's no it's not the destination nothing really happens in the destination now something you could do is and let's just imagine that they decided to do it this way i think it'd be better to do normal and heroic but let's say they do four difficulties on the second and third difficulty there'd be small chances of the pinnacles to drop but you really wouldn't start seeing them drop until you get to the fourth tier so it'd be very very clear that the second and third are a means to an end and there's chances it's exciting you know it's fun because those chances are there and it's exciting if they do and then the real destination is the is the is the max but again at the end of it it's like 
it it threatens public space matchmaking if you just don't have enough people hanging out um if you have too many if you have too many people in the in in if there's four tiers i would worry that over time tiers two and three would just get abandoned everybody's either hanging out at tier one or tier four um or equilibrium could take place i don't know there could be people that are like you know what i don't want to run normal i want chances at the adept gear but tier four is just really unenjoyable so they hang out in tiers two and three even if that was the result i would still be concerned that you just your your public space can become abandoned very quickly if you fracture the player base that many times i think normal and heroic would just work because it there would be a ton of people in normal but i I still think day to day there's a lot of players that would automatically pick uh they would automatically pick the 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 heroic version of the public space especially if there's loot incentive especially if there's loot incentive necro says this reminds me of your talk about the game opening up once you have finished the campaign milestones could change and the game shows you what to chase i believe that world tiers would complement this idea do you think the challenge meets the rewards in this manner well that's the real question is would they make it worthy of the time because that's always the question when you're going into harder content if i'm going to go into harder content and there's all these modifiers or there's this power delta or whatever is is the reward worthy because if not who's gonna do it nobody's gonna sign up for harder content just for the sake of it i mean even with grandmasters people are doing it either for the title or the or, or maybe the increased drops but i would say by and large most of them wouldn't do it if there was no reason if Bungie went in and said the drop rate of the items, the exotics, and the in the currency is identical in Grandmaster, it's only for the title. I think less people would run it. If they did that and they didn't even give you a title or a triumph, people would say, "Why would I do it?" And they would say, "Oh, for for just the satisfaction of beating really hard content." You'd get even less people in there if there's no triumph or title attached, or and there's no increased drop rate attached. I, I just think people would naturally walk away and be like, I'm not messing with this. This is not worth my time. Even when people are debating between Master and Grandmaster, that's part of the equation. That's automatically part of the equation. Because people are saying, how fast can you do it? How fast can I how fast can I complete a master? Okay, uh, ten minutes. Okay, how fast can I complete a grandmaster? Um you know, uh, twenty to twenty five. And they're like, okay. If I run six, if I run 10 masters today and five grandmasters, what's my pile of loot looking like? And if the pile of loot looks similar, you're going to lose people super, super fast because they're going to say, okay, I know I can get a little bit more. I know I can get more. I know the odds are better and all those things. But if, if you, if at the end of the day, you, you add it all up and you're like, man, there is so, such a small difference here i'm not seeing i'm not seeing a significant difference this is where i think adept weapons really really land the plane there's no doubt in your mind you run an adept or i'm sorry you're chasing the adept and the gear is different it's of another it's of another echelon it's like when they did it in trials if you went flawless in trials you knew that you had gotten better gear it had a different appearance it had a different name it put they, they put adept in the name 
and it had an extra perk on it. So there was a clear, distinct difference between the normal trials gear and the adept trials gear. No one had to like get out a calculator to add up the math if it was worth doing or not. This is why I think Grandmaster needs its own loot pool, so there's no question in your mind about what you got and was it worth the time. The small percentage of players in the entire player base of Destiny who get really, really good at Grandmasters and run them really, really fast, when they compare their Grandmaster loot haul to their Master loot haul, sure, after a four-hour play session, there's probably a noticeable difference in how much they have. But there aren't many teams that can probably consistently do that, and it's also just a lot less stressful to go down to Master and fundamentally, you're ending up with roughly the same amount of currency. Like, is there some ticking time bomb of time running out where you need to be getting the absolute most stuff? I mean, they cap the currencies anyway. So even if you're prepping for next season, eventually you're going to hit those caps and then there's no reason to run it anymore. So running it where it's more low-key, more laid-back might be more appealing to you. And that's ultimately where the question always relies, is if I can get the same stuff everywhere, then what's the point? I'll run the lower stuff, and eventually I'll just I'll win by sheer force of quantity. You, you, you get what's owed to you by sheer force of quantity. So over the next month, I'm going to run 50 Masters instead of running, you know, 30 grandmasters and I net the same amount of stuff um I would say grandmaster needs its own loot pool and if they do world tiers then I think you have to have a hierarchy within the weapons there need to be adept weapons and things dropping to make loot like grandmaster stand out loot like trials and raids um like, as much grief as I give both Gambit and Grandmaster Nightfalls, I think they deserve their own loot because people that are willing to go into those environments and play and they're committed and they're really grinding, I believe they deserve to be rewarded in accordance with what the content's asking of them, and I do not feel at the current juncture Grandmaster Nightfalls do that. So. You wouldn't have the same amount. You wouldn't even be close. I've run multiple Masters in a row without a single shard drop. I think you missed my overarching point, Kelia. There's no ticking time clock where you must get this done because there's a cap. You're gonna hit the cap. If you and I can both only get so many of the prisms and the ascendant shards before we hit that wall, it's like you're gonna hit the wall faster than me, sure, but who cares? If it takes me an extra week of grinding to, to make up the difference and it's more laid back and I can just chill and have a better time, that's what I'm going to do as a player. There's got to be a more distinct reason with with for, for going into Grandmaster. There's got to be a more distinct reason than just, well, I got there quicker. You know? Because all it really offers is the currency generally at that point. And obviously exotic drop rates decent but you know I've got a lot of great exotic roles at this point I can't think of a single exotic that I absolutely have to replace because the role's so bad you know or a whole bag of Doritos under your wood and light the chips and watch it go Red Rhino is so far behind on the stream clap for you with the next question. Do you think world tiers could be damaging to LFG and other playlists due to the non-matching tiers with players causes different enemy levels? 
Well, this is why I thought it was cleaner to do normal and heroic, because if you're wanting to go grind heroic strikes or public space, number one to be match made. Like you're not LFGing, I wouldn't think, for the strike playlist or for the public space. Maybe you are, but if there's only normal and heroic, I mean that worked on the raids in D one. There was normal and her there was normal and hard or whatever they called it. And eventually everybody just ran the harder raid because why? Why run the old one? Um I think there was confusion sometimes with if you ran normal then hard, which was was you know was that a good strategy or whatever. But most people just eventually pivoted over to only running hard mode because you got double drops. Um, everybody tips over. I think the difference with strikes and public space is that a lot of people would be like, "I'm cool with normal, right? I'm totally cool with normal. I I, I don't I don't feel like having my strikes or my public space get sweaty." mainly would be there for the people that are like, I'm bored I get to the end game and there's basically, you know, 85% of the game doesn't matter to me because unless I'm gonna run the milestones, which at that point you only need to run the milestones for infusion fodder and you only need infusion fodder if you're gonna be really, really religiously grinding Grandmaster Nightfalls outside of that environment you don't need to infuse all your gear up that's a headache anyway that slot leveling solves I got to tell you, one of the most surprising things that happened recently is on my video about removing infusion. How many people didn't watch the video and they were like, this is a stupid idea. They didn't understand that if they if they would have actually watched the video, they would have understood that it was something that would help the things that they were complaining about in their comments. It, you know, there were people that are like, oh, you're going to you're just trying to make things harder on casuals. I'm like actually no this would be something that would help casuals not hurt casuals it blew me away that so many people saw remove infusion and they were just like this is the dumbest idea ever uh, well you know i this would be horrible for the game they didn't they clearly most of the comments did not even watch the video which i guess i shouldn't be surprised by that in this day and age but you know people just doing the drive-by <laughs> drive-by read the headline and react thing right i mean that's kind of the world we live in right now but uh, nobody ran normal strikes in D1 once they had the level to run a heroic. I mean, that's uh, th- that trend is likely accurate. I, I I can't defend that with actual objective facts or statistics, but that's probably a, an accurate uh, trend. And the question would be, number one, is that bad, wrong, or unintended? So is it bad or wrong is subjective, but like, is it intended is something that Bungie can answer. Do you intend most people to pivot over to a harder version? You know, do they expect that on Nightfalls? Or in this case, it would be normal or heroic public space, normal or heroic strikes. And that would be the ultimate question is, you know, is, is that going to funnel everybody away from normal maybe and then if it does is that what they're shooting for is that what Bungie wants if it's not what Bungie wants then that's your determiner then you know this isn't quite right this isn't what they were shooting for and then they might have to make adjustments um it's not bad. I was just thinking that a harder public space would do some uh, would do the same pretty quickly, especially since each season raises the players' power level. 
I wonder though if strikes in public space would still just have a healthy amount of people that don't care. They just want to go normal. Just that's all that matters to them. Like just go normal. I don't want to mess with all of that. You know, I don't want to fiddle around with with the, the the harder the harder difficulty. I don't like things taking longer. Um cuz you could certainly see people kind of turning their nose up to it. I you know, you could certainly see people turning their nose up to it and saying you know, I this is not something that I was I was I was uh, ever interested in, and I tried it a couple times, and I don't like it. You know, and that yeah, that that could definitely keep the normal the normal player pool uh, healthier. Um, and again and again, the, the real question would be, what's Bungie's goal if they were to implement a if they were to implement a difficulty spectrum like this essentially you know world tiers uh would that mean that they they intend for people to go up into the harder world tiers and for the community to sort of hive mind migrate to the harder difficulties if that's what that's if that's what's intended then great um if that's not what's intended, then they'd have to think about how they keep that from happening. Cause that would be pretty rough. Like nobody wants to go into the normal public space or the normal the normal, you know, strike playlist and have basically nobody to play with. Or matchmaking takes forever. Like you go to normal strikes and you just freaking sit there for an eternity. Um, that's obviously a concern that I think is uh, is a valid concern. Um who wants to spend more time on an activity or space for not better rewards? Time is currency. It still needs to be a worthwhile transaction. Well, you weren't here, so you're... I mean, no offense, you're stating the obvious. Like, nobody nobody is going to outline a video or an argument to say, could you please make a difficulty spectrum with no rewards accordingly? Like, no one's going to ask for that. <laughs> like, like, you're... I understand where you're coming from, but it, but it, it kind of maybe it does need stated because maybe Bungie needs to be told loud and clear. So maybe you're stating something that seems obvious, but maybe it does need stated very strongly. Like difficulty spectrum and strikes or the public space is meaningless without a reward. Like in my talk, I obviously said that, but um, we would want to reiterate that anytime this subject comes up, that like please do not give us difficulty spectrum without reward spectrum to line up with it. That would seem completely useless like what a waste of development time this is why i said difficulty spectrum and adept weaponry are a match made in heaven because then you're free to be really really generous at the lower echelons and now there's a clear difference between normal and hard mode with respect to the like the loot pool um that's what all the other higher tier things already do the rewards never really get better well, and that's in, and obviously that's one of the criticisms I think that is it's pretty valid of of grandmasters is that it just doesn't it just doesn't feel worth it, and that's supposed to change with adept weapons. All of that's supposed to change. Trials is getting adept weapons in the flawless chest, so that is coming, and that standard you would hope would would land on other environments as well. Normal and hard mode raids need to return. Normal and hard mode dungeons. And then you just throw adept weapons to make it clear why you want to go up to the harder difficulty. And not only why you want to, but like as a, as a, as a trophy of like, I did the harder stuff and people need to be able to see the difference. Rain the dark. 
how do you think Bungie could improve on world tiers compared to Anthem? Anthem having that, while neat, struggle with better rewards and drop rates. What can Bungie do to make sure it's worthwhile? Well, there's a couple of ways to approach this. Anthem didn't understand the quantity problem with respect to the mathematical probability of you getting not only the gun that you wanted uh, at the level that you needed it to be, secondarily you also needed you also needed it to have the right inscriptions so it's extremely easy for someone to say hey i'm going to go run this content and i am going to get this gun and that's all that matters to me that's an easy that's an easy target and then they get the target and then they look at it and on anthem's problem there were so many different they called them inscriptions what that basically was was the stats on the gun uh so one might have increased elemental damage one might have increased melee damage or whatever and these are what made the gun a god roll or a good roll or a bad roll in accordance to whatever whatever you were trying to build so whatever you were trying to build you would be looking for certain inscriptions and the mistake that they made was that a lot of the inscriptions were nonsensical you would get weapons and they would get inscriptions for like other weapons it made no sense so first they fixed that so then at the very least when something was dropping it had the right perks it's kind of like when you get hip fire grip on a sniper rifle but it was way worse so then they fixed that but then the problem was after that the the, the issue that they had was that you weren't getting enough drops to make up for the mathematical probability of you could grind all day and if you get three or four of the weapon you're looking for the mathematical odds of getting the transcriptions that you won't I'm sorry that you want it was so incredibly low so you needed to be showering me with loot to come over so I get five or six of that weapon and I kind of check the perks and the stats to see did I get the one that I've been looking for so that was Anthem's problem okay now let's look at Destiny Destiny's problem wouldn't be that because the actual perk depth and perk diversity isn't there. It's not going to create that problem. Bungie would have the opposite problem in that Bungie's loot is to homogenize. The difference between a god roll legendary that you get from a new activity or the public space and a raid, the differences between those weapons is, is extremely marginal. This is why Adept Weapons is the right call. Bungie is not going to suddenly create hundreds of weapons a season with hundreds of new perks they're just not going to it's not number one it's not the kind of game this is and number two they've proven that that's not really in the cards with respect to their bandwidth and their delivery cycles so given given that reality i think you get more you get more capital out of the guns if you treat the guns like the content you have content where it gets harder if you up the difficulty and guns should get better if you up the difficulty you literally just create a spectrum that lines up with the content so you got normal and heroic you got normal guns and you got adept adept weapons it's that it's it's honestly that simple and i know people are going to say well do you really want like adept weapons that are better than raid weapons or trials weapons in the public space or in the seasonal content and that's where I think you've got to make the weapons be somewhat tied to their context the way that they did with um, Oracle Disruptor. 
So Oracle Disruptor made the, you know, the King's, I'm sorry, the Vault of Glass weapons particularly special when running Vault of Glass. And so a dev weapons in the raid should have great role potential, great curated role, unique perks. They should be close to, if not best in class, but then they really should stand out when you take them into the raid. And if there's a if there's a world drop that can drop adept, you keep it in its lane by not letting that happen, by not letting it be as good as a god rolled raid weapon in a raid. Um, so there'd be both incentive to chase the world loot, but also a hierarchical difference, so that no one could claim there's better loot in the public space than trials flawless. Um, or, or the in this case, it would be the quote-unquote hard or heroic raid, if that makes sense. The Real King Salty says, Running on the idea of world tiers and specific tiers with adjusted difficulties, normal or heroic, would you be opposed to pinnacles dropping from high-end world tier heroics? Also, do you think it's a good idea to add in boss-specific loot-related to the boss, and or are you uh, really killed them hang on the boss and or area you killed them in got it well let me take the first half of your question first i it, pinnacles i'm i'm fine with in in my mind a lot of these modes wouldn't even open until you hit max level you would not be able to even tr- go in until you hit max level it would be it would be kind of held at arm's length and then then you're free and clear to give me pinnacles in the hard raid heroic strikes upper echelon nightfalls however you know they decide to structure it so now you're getting that secondary grind so no worries you didn't get the gun you wanted this week but at the very least you moved the pinnacle you moved the pinnacle number a little bit because moving that pinnacle number I think it's I actually don't think it's that great of a grind I think it's pretty poor it's very RNG based not only is it RNG based it's like you're just rerunning content for teeny, teeny potential bumps. And those teeny potential bumps don't really do much to the gameplay because of the artifacts unlimited level, which is related to everything we've been talking about because that's just another piece of the leveling puzzle that I think they're getting wrong. Um, the bonus level is fine for casual players, but I think it needs to be capped because it makes it impossible to know just how high just how high can you take content because people can always blast past your your caps right you can always get higher than whatever the cap is oh it's 1050 no worries I'm gonna get a bonus well I, I, I think I got the bonus 20 finally yeah bonus 20 on my way to 21 to get that seasonal triumph uh, of the, of the you know, plus 20 on the artifact so I'm 1050 I'm 1070 without ever touching a pinnacle activity ever so that's the first half of your question about pinnacles. As far as the second half of your question is, is it a good idea that the boss, having boss-specific loot related to the boss in the area you killed them in? I, this gets tough because I, I don't think it makes sense to literally attach a drop to every single boss in the game. First, it's, you know, it's, it's number one, it's, it's not Borderlands. We have to say that. You can't have like every boss in the game drop at something cool and unique. And second, I think you could capture the idea 
by just having a drop or, or a handful of drops that are specific to the playlist. So it doesn't matter what boss you kill in the strike playlist. When you're in the heroic playlist, there's a chance for that weapon to drop. Same thing with Crucible. Um... I think it gets just difficult to add specific drops for every single boss because there are a lot of bosses that have been in game for forever. So if you only did the new strikes, then no one cares about the old. Nobody's in the strike playlist. You're you've now created and perpetuated a problem that already exists. Um, so you know, it doesn't matter if it's specific to the boss. What matters is the activity has a loot incentive. That's ultimately what matters. Is if I'm going to be going into the strike playlist, it's not about well, what's the Pyramidian guy drop? What's the new guy drop? No, 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 no. Heroic strike playlist just has loot in it. And that stuff can drop and then you you obviously care about it as you know, as a player. Fett is asking for you guys to push it over to 500 likes. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Another great turnout. If you're new and haven't been here before, please click subscribe uh, and the bell button. That's free to do, by the way. It's free to subscribe on YouTube. It's also free to push the like button. All of those things help the video get recommended uh, on YouTube to other people. How do you submit questions? If you're a paying member, which you are because you have a name badge, you just type exclamation point question and then put a space and then type your question. Um, so... Flynn with the next question. Devil's advocate here. I thought sunsetting was only going to affect the end game. If you split patrol spaces, won't that make it pointless to do the lower version? Making sunsetting hit all. No, in my scenario, in my scenario, this actually doesn't require you to start using new weapons because normal would stay at the standard. Like, when they made everybody 750 and the entrance point for all content is basically 750 for the most part uh 750 for strikes and then 750 for adept nightfalls whatever they decide that floor is if they decide that floor is 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 1050 if they decide that floor is a thousand then whether you're going to a planet or the lowest version of strikes it's all a thousand and so are you they just raise everybody's power level so if it's like oh it's pointless to go to the lower version well not necessarily some people are not going to be interested in turning up the difficulty and the heat in strikes and the public space they'll have zero interest in those adept weapons those adept incentives all they care about is they just want to boot up and do looties and shooties that's it Looties and shooties is all that matters to them. They just want to boot up, grab some bounties, do a couple milestones, and call it a day. Like fundamentally, whenever people are playing, it all is about like what's the loop that they spend most of their time in. And I think a large portion of the community is totally happy to play public space loop and then strike loop. They just kind of stay in there, and they'd have zero interest in going up to the to the harder uh, to the harder the harder point you know what I mean strike specific loot just rolls off the tongue just as easily as people who say never for more Christmas when we talk about Halloween movies right strike specific loot is easier to say I always want to qualify that it's strike playlist specific loot and that is harder to say but at least communicates the idea that we're after the same thing but the execution would be better 
Um, although I'd rather it be Crucible only drops Crucible loot, Strikes only drop Vanguard loot, Gamma only drops Gamma loot, and Public Space drops World loot. No other loot in the playlist besides its own type, uh, and that those are the only places you can get those items. And I think that's one of the reasons why having a harder difficulty where all those items have better versions, adept versions that drop, would be like a really, really good system. It would be harmonious. It would just make sense. They all have their own pool. The pool gets better if you do the harder version. It's it's having normal and adept gear and then having like normal and heroic content just makes sense to my brain. And they get more capital. So if they make a couple of guns for Gambit, you get way more capital out of that. Why? Well, there's better versions. I don't know how you would do that in Gambit in particular with respect to adept. How do you, you wouldn't want two versions of Gambit. They're very much trying to move away from having two versions of Gambit. So I don't know if you would want to have normal and heroic Gambit. You'd have to think through the execution there. And then with Crucible, I don't know. Trial seems like the only place it works because of the flawless chest. King Keys says, with the possible addition of world tiers, how would you like Bungie to implement difficulty level and upgrading world tier levels to make it more engaging? Well, obviously that's how I kind of implemented it. It was like, hey, we can have a difficulty spectrum, but then the more I thought about it, the more it made sense for both strikes and the public space to be more about normal heroic, normal heroic, just like pivoting between the two. Um, and then upgrading the tier levels to make it more engaging. Obviously, that sounds amazing to players that would want to have that experience, but the dilemma is always going to be, are there enough players to warrant splitting it up that much? Um, you know, upgrading the actual tiers themselves and having multiple tiers. The, unfortunately, this game runs on an engine of like, you need people in your area, you need people to matchmake with, and if you fragment the player base way too much, a lot of this stuff would not go off well at all. It would just frustrate the fire out of people. They'd be like, dude, can you put somebody in my instance? I'm just trying to do this event. I'm just trying to do this thing. And there's nobody in my instance. Can you can you just give me somebody to matchmake with? Like, you don't want core gameplay and core game flow to break down because you've added too many layers to your game. For what you were just talking about, for not knowing how to do adept weapons in those other modes, you could use special events like Iron Banner to deliver that loot uh, in Gambit and Crucible. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Tied to, like, an actual event, you know, because if not, it, 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 it might not seem like anybody can kind of wrap their head around when it's happening or how it's happening. Um... Oh, I see what you're saying. You could do something different for Gambit, like a week, like a monthly event in Gambit. Um, you could call it like the Drifter's Call or something. And for like a week, you go in and Gambit's different, and then you can get the adept versions of the loot to drop, and it causes a surge in people playing. And that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. I don't like Gambit all that much, but if I could play it for a week and get adept versions of Gambit guns, I might consider it. Uh, that might be, see, that's kind of in a similar, uh, lane. Yeah, like Iron Banner. That's in a similar lane as, like, the daily targeted farms. You might not get me to go play Gambit, but you put a cool daily targeted farm in there and I might consider it, you know? 
I feel like we have a special sauce with trials having adept weapons. No reason to change it from that. Yeah, I, I think you could leave it that way. And then I think the format, though, and the formula works well in other games. It could work in other parts of the game, like strikes, public space, raids, dungeons. Hey, the normal stuff's awesome. And we can be really generous with the normal stuff because the normal stuff's not the end of the story. It's not the it's not the be all end all. Uh, you know, it's not the end. It would it would it would be just the beginning, essentially. You're saying competitive playlist within Gambit? I don't know about a competitive playlist within Gambit Wolverine because I I would worry they're trying to move away from two playlists already because it's because it probably is a little fragmented and they don't like that. Um, we were thinking of like a monthly event. We need 21 more likes to 500 and the guys in chat aren't, are going to go crazy until you give us the 500 likes. So I'm just trying to give the people what they want. It doesn't have to be competitive in a PVP sense. It would be a weekly special playlist. Yeah. You could do special modifiers for a weekend gambit and you could call it like the drifters call or something. <clears throat> something we'll have to separate that standard mode. Yeah, yeah, we were thinking like a monthly event like Iron Banner, because then the loot would show up and the drifter would look like, kind of like how Saladin looks for a week. He's kind of in a different place in the tower, maybe. He's got like a a banner up behind him. And you're kind of coming in and trying to, you know, get the work done to get the cooler versions of the loot. Again, this is Bungie at their best when they get lots of capital out of something that's already been made, you know? I have so much to say about this. I will have to wait for the round table. The first couple episodes of the round table, we could literally just comb through stuff we've talked about on stream and get people's opinion on it. Like, what do you think about Lono saying we need world tiers? And what do you think about Lono saying we need to get rid of infusion? And that could be good. That could be good. We'll have to consider if Monday morning is the right call for the round table. That would really help me out. Um, we could keep VIP fight night intact. What do you think could be offered to incentivize time? I think that you have to offer Spectrum of Loot. I really think so. If I'm Bungie right now, every gun I create, there should be a normal and an adept version. No questions asked. Why? Because that means everywhere you put it, you can have a normal and a heroic mode. So you're creating a game that travels with the player. As opposed to, I'm max level, I'm on that endgame grind now, and 90% of the game doesn't matter to you. If they make every gun have an adept version, and every gun that lands in the game, whether they put it in the Gambit playlist, Crucible, uh, or... Or, you know, or, or, or strikes and the public space, it, you're getting way more capital out of everything that ever gets created. And I don't feel like, well, all that matters now is flawless trials in the raid. Nothing else matters. All the rest of this loot sucks. No, there's adept versions of everything. Now, trials adept weapons and raid adept weapons could have a particular appeal for their contextual strength and power maybe in their arena that they drop. Or something like to that effect. So that people feel like, yeah, it's worth getting this gun. It's stronger in raids. It's, you know, it's stronger in trials. I'm just trying to brainstorm with what adept gambit weapons could look like. Yeah, they'd be adept, best in class, and then give them a contextual perk for gambit. There's a shotgun that gets a damage buff against blockers. There's a hand cannon that gets a damage buff against, um... 
all non-majors. Uh, you could give people a heavy weapon that gets a damage buff against envoys. Um, stuff like that. So then it's clearly like, oh, this guns, these guns are pretty awesome. They're pretty worth using. Um, but no one likes Gambit? That's not true. Gambit, Gambit gets a lot of player engagement every day. I do not like Gambit at all. I've been very critical of Gambit, but I'm not going to be dishonest. Gambit gets a good, a good player engagement every day. <laughs> it really, really does. It does. I will never let my bias blind me on that. I will always readily admit that Gambit gets good player engagement and deserves deserves to get some decent loot treatment and some decent updates every year. I think they should only update it about annual, right? I, I Update it annually and let it run for the year. It doesn't need to get updated every single season. But... I think Gambit deserves some love because of how many people play it every single day. Gambit gets more people to play in a day than people play Trials all weekend. Like, it gets to give you a picture of player engagement numbers. Um, so. And listen, listen. I don't touch it. I don't, I don't like it. I get super salty. I become a, I become a salty mess when I try to play Gambit. But, I defend it as something that gets a, needs some respect and needs some love at least once a year. The last Coke we with your idea of world tiers being optional, would you, uh, would you be considered that it would separate the player base too much by knowing that the worlds already feel quite empty and just one world tier? Here's my hope. My hope would be with some of the changes they're making in the background, they can keep people in, in instances easier and think about it like this. What if the technological update that they added that allows you to join someone in a tower and you're just suddenly in their instance track with me here what if Bungie is able to start merging instances in the public space so that that is a super rare thing it should be super rare that you're in a public space by yourself because they're updating that aspect of the tower now we don't know if that's going to trickle down to the rest of the game Am I going to see somebody in the public space, send them an invite, and are they able to just join me without re-instancing is the question. I would hope that's the case. Because then Bungie could constantly be running reports on public spaces, and they're like, oh yeah, here's one with two people, here's one with three people. Merge them. Boom. And then all of a sudden people spawn in your instance. They just kind of appear. You're like, oh dope, there's more people here. You know, we got three people in the eastern region in you know Europa heroic and we got two people over here in Europa you know heroic and they're all eastern smash them together so that they they're they're in the same instance that I don't know if that's going to be a like an update but I think what claw killer is saying is likely true it's they're just testing in the tower they even said in one of the one of the things they're adding they're not going to fully leverage it until later so some of the stuff they could be putting in in Beyond Light and then they'll fully leverage it later. They could be like, hey, in the spring season, we've streamlined instances in public spaces so you should see a significant decrease in times where you're totally by yourself in a public space. We have, you know, we've, we've lowered the probability of that by auto instance merging or something like that, if that's possible. Given what they said about what they're doing with the tower, I would hope that's something that they can do. That'd be amazing to make the world feel more alive and more full so that you're not in those places where you're by yourself. 
The last Koku with another question. A little off topic, but I feel like D2 has a lack of enemies at any instance. Do you feel with a higher world tier, Bungie could add more enemies for people to engage and not just add more majors and increase power cap? I think quantity would be great. It does seem like from the trailers, they've made some updates in the background tech to enable them to put more enemies in a given area. I also think you got to be careful though. I don't want to land on Europa and be getting absolutely spawn farmed. So you got to let us spawn and move. You know, there were times where all I tried to do was drive through the Dreaming City on my Sparrow to get to Petra and I'd get killed three or four times on the way there. That's unnecessary. <laughs> That's unnecessary. So you got to let us instance into places where we're somewhat safe, or at least let us instance into the NPCs if you're going to do that. Because I don't want to land on a heroic planet and get farmed three or four times before I can really get going. That's going to really, really hurt the reception. Like, someone says, hey, you know what? I've been leveling up. Let me go take a crack at this heroic version of Europa. And they just get spawn farmed, or they're trying to drive to the public space, and they just keep getting killed. Um... I would admittedly get very tilted when that happened on Dreaming City. I'm like, this is so stupid. I was like, I'm just trying to get to the NPC. I am not trying to fight these guys. Can you please just leave me alone, please? Um, that was always a, a frustration that I had with uh, with the Dreaming City. The whole syringe with the next question. I'm concerned in a higher world tier, Bungie would simply add negative modifiers in a Delta. How could Bungie have world tiers without doing that? I mean, at the very least, just put it at my level. So when I go in or like, just put it like use contest. So I just see swords everywhere. Don't make it absurd. Don't make it absurd. Don't beat the snot out of me. So it's unenjoyable. Just make it to where I see swords everywhere. So it's like, okay, it's a little bit tougher. It's like a hardened mode. It's like when you turn up the difficulty on a campaign, right? Now, obviously, I wouldn't want them to turn the public space into Grandmaster Nightfalls. Oh, welcome to Heroic Public Space. There is, uh, there's 18 negative modifiers. You're going to need to write this down, right? <laughs> and they got them all, like, bundled into each other. And people are like, are you kidding me? I don't want to do this. You know, I would say you would want to do it in a way where it's enjoyable, but it's also clear you know, this ain't your, this ain't your dad's public space. It's going to be tough. You know, you're, you're going to get your shins kicked a couple times. It's going to sting. But if the loot is good and the loot's worthy, people will put up with it. You know, yo, what's good weights for none? Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Like if I'm, that was one of the things about the dreaming city. We put up with it. Why? Cause we needed to do it. We needed to do the milestone on the dreaming city. We needed to do all the different things. So you kind of put up with it. If there was no reason to be on the Dreaming City other than just for the sake of seeing it, people would have abandoned it like immediately. I'm like, I'm sick of going there and getting my sparrow blown up. I'm not going back to the Dreaming City like ever. You know, I'm sick of it. H2 Ninja. I always liked the way Destiny 1 was at launch. If you were underleveled, you could go anywhere, but you couldn't do any you could do, couldn't do damage or very little damage. Made me feel a sense of progression. Well, I think this would help with that. I think this would help with that. It would create this idea that the next the next step up is is tough. You could go in there early if you want. They've actually opened up the the power delta quite a bit. 
they've opened it up quite a bit in Destiny now. You can go into content a hundred levels under, a hundred under, and the uh, the pain gets gets obviously worse the lower you go. But now, if you see swords, it's not nearly as painful as it used to be. That's why I think contest modifier where everybody sees swords is like such a good formula for, you know, okay, everything's not a sponge, and I'm not getting one tapped. It's enjoyable content, but it's clearly it's clearly harder. Uh, it's clearly more challenging. Um, so it really comes down to two things, okay? It comes down to two things. Is the, is the experience enjoyable and manageable enough for people to enjoy it as a content loop? That's the first question. And the second question is, is their loot worthy of pursuing? If those two questions can get a resounding yes, then people will go into the harder difficulties and the harder versions of content. If one of those questions is a no, then it starts to break down. Yeah, there's loot worth pursuing, but the content loop is not that enjoyable. It's pretty rough. Ugh, then it kind of gets hurt. If you say, no, yeah, the content loop, it's very repeatable, very manageable, grindable. It's, it feels challenging, but it's not absurd. Um, but there's no loot to chase. That's where everything breaks down. Heroic, I mean, Heroic Sundial was basically that. It was manageable, wasn't super difficult, there was no loot reason to do it. You get a pinnacle. Like, come on, that's that's not good enough. Imagine, apply my formula to Sundial, and it would have just taken off. You stagger the launch of hard mode. By the time hard mode comes out, people start running it for adept versions of guns they've already dropped, they've already gotten, and they've already messed around with and tried out. Now, somebody might say, Lono, wouldn't that make people avoid normal mode for a month because they know fundamentally those weapons <laughs> they won't matter as soon as hard mode comes out those guns don't matter I would say yes and no number one it's always fun to get new guns and experiment with them number two there's a lot of people who would never mess with heroic they're happy to get the normal versions so I do think sundial would have been a great place to test this out now it doesn't work when Sundial's only around for three months. You, you staggering hard mode and not putting a, a great loot incentive in there is largely related to the fact that the Sundial was going away after just three months. Seasonal content will now last for an entire year. So Bungie, I believe, is well within their right to be like, here's the hard mode, and here's all the loot in hard mode that's different or better. If they don't do that, if we continue to self-cannibalize the game just by playing it, think about that. You sort of self-cannibalize the game simply by playing. If you're playing and leveling up, you're going to leave behind so much content as less important and irrelevant because why? Who cares about lower echelon gear? Who cares about milestones once you're max level? Like Those things start to matter less and less as time goes on, and this would keep that from happening because the actual game itself would offer you loot to chase and different versions of existing pool of, of existing content loops uh, you know to be to be challenging and enjoyable so I don't know if we have people for VIP today but if we're gonna do a VIP call in they'll be like uh, there'll be timestamps below 
Oh, I forgot to say at the beginning of the video, we're doing those we're doing those unlisted videos now. Uh, but good Q&A. Thanks for all the great questions. If you're here right now and you haven't clicked subscribe yet, please do so. It's free to click subscribe. It's also free to click like. That helps out the channel. If you're here watching live, don't go anywhere. We'll transition to VIP call-ins, more discussion. And as always, if you're listening elsewhere, please like, share, and subscribe listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that Follow might talk about Destiny Needs World Tears. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or any of the podcast platforms, you can always catch me at saynotorage.com and if you hit the YouTube and I'm not live, you can always hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss the live streams. If you want to support me directly, there's a join button on YouTube or you can get to the Patreon by going to SNTR Presents. Com. We got two callers today, Doge and then Real King Salty. I'm going to go to Doge first. What did you want to talk about today, my friend? Hello. Uh, so, uh, so uh, one thing about World Tears, uh, I think they could in- implement it uh, for like stuff like only like certain content in the petrol space, like not everything. Okay. Uh, like, for example, like uh, in uh, Genshin uh, Impact, like... Uh, and like, uh, the higher the, your like world rank, like, uh, like the higher your world tier, like, the, like the better the reward you get, and it's, mm-hmm. and like, re- and most of like the uh, other stuff, like, the, uh, like they're higher level, but they don't, they still drop the same thing as usual, but the world boss like drops like, like more legendaries, like uh, more items and like more like ascension material. Mm-hmm. I think Destiny can do like uh, something like that where like uh, they can add uh, like world bosses like and like uh, and they drop like uh, have a high chance of like dropping like a depth weapon if like uh, you have like a higher world tier. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, see, I wonder if this would be the right way to do it too because I think people were rightfully worried about well is this going to bust the player base up too much like is it going to be hard to find people and have them in your instance uh you know is it going to be challenging to keep the player you know the player uh the public space is full i'm sorry and if this was like an optional thing that could be going on and you could go like oh i want to tag in on this this is a world boss this can be really tough this is sort of the implementation of the world tier, but it's more ad hoc and then up to the player whether or not they want to dive in because they see it happening. I guess the concern would still be similar, but in a different way. You know, who's going to want to initiate this world boss event or this activity if there's nobody around? Like, you've got to figure out how to funnel people together who are interested in that particular thing. Because if I'm in a public space instance with a bunch of people who are taking it easy to them. It's a Friday night kickback session. They're just, they're just kind of playing casual. And I'm like, I want to start this event and there's nobody around that wants to do it. So I would wonder how you would do that. Would you match make it? So I click the button and it spins, finds people. And then all of a sudden like throws us into the arena or the area or whatever. If they can, do some of the stuff we theorized about with the fact that like if I run into somebody in the tower I can just join them and not leave the tower you could do something similar here where a matchmaking is happening in the background and it literally just pulls everybody into one instance and no one has to go back to orbit we don't have to see a matchmaking screen 
we might be able to implement something like this and then it would be more of an organic world tier that is then just sort of selected by the player and they go up to the thing and they initiate it as opposed to literally being like no I'm going down to a heroic Europa and everywhere you go is heroic and that has a couple of potential problems with respect to player based distribution does normal Europa become a barren wasteland is you know heroic Europa a barren wasteland at least for the first month you'd you'd have to wonder I mean I remember Dreaming City was pretty empty those first couple of weeks because nobody was strong enough and the few of us that were kind of strong enough got tired of going there and, and getting our butts kicked on our sparrow or trying to do a public event and you know nobody else was around so there's a delicate balance and I would just hope that the thing that they learned about how to get people into the same fire team in the tower without reinstancing and leaving the tower I would hope that that starts to pay dividends for the public space because they seem just so bent on putting stuff in the public space. They did it with forges. They did it with escalation protocol. They did it with the tower event. They're doing it now with contact public event. They basically did it with Archon's Forge, uh, Blind Dwell, and the Court of Oryx. They just seem to like the idea of ad hoc player-initiated environments that you kind of wander in and do the thing. And the background tech that they described, you know, one of the unforeseen benefits of stuff that they had while moving script stuffs around was that you could do that in the tower. My hope is that that starts to benefit public space environments. So then in the spring season, if Bungie's like, hey, the new seasonal event, it happens in the public space and there's a hard version and a normal version. And we've established background technology to ensure that if you click the button, you... You, it's going to throw you into an instance with people. Um, I mean, that that obviously could be really, a really, really big benefit because I just I know that that's something they almost. It's almost like they romanticize it. They romanticize this idea that like we got to get a bunch of people into an area randomly and get them doing something together, and that's just like something they like. I said they've almost romanticized it. So the hope would be. That they could do that because then what you're saying might work better than what I suggested in my video because it'd be more happening on the fly and then the public space would always be full of people you wouldn't be splitting people up when they whenever they just first go down to the planet itself yeah and I think how they could implement this is like uh like have like a uh, area like that has like uh like how like have an area that is mass made based on like uh the world tier like one area where you didn't like house like uh, events or like uh, the world bosses, like like in Out mm-hmm. of Sorrow, like how like there's only like the only purpose is to like ha- like put in like the Out uh, of Sorrow like for Hot Sorrow's Harbor, right, right. Like the only and that was one of the things I got frustrated with. And there was a couple of things you had to try to do for Sorrow's Har- uh, Altar of Sorrows. It was like. If there were not a lot of people in the instance, it was really kind of irritating because the the final boss gets like I feel like the final boss gets extremely kind of grindy and it's kind of meat grindy um, if you don't have a lot of people in the space. Like I, I find it to be very unenjoyable uh, for that reason because I th- I think ultimately Sorrows Harbor, the Altar of Sorrows. I mean Altar of Sorrows, the Tower event. All, all suffer from the same problem. Blindwell, Archon's Forge, and and truth be told, truth be told, the the nature of contact public event would also be pretty crappy 
if we didn't have the guillotine. Like, I think guillotine is smoothing over all the rough edges of contact public event, and it's kind of lulling people to sleep into thinking that the event itself is not that bad, it's not that big of a deal. And I'm like, no, it actually is. Like, if you actually had to deal with these stupid champions and hoping that people in your space and hoping that people in your instance actually had champion mods equipped, you would not be, I don't think people would be thinking so highly of the contact public event. And anytime you're throwing people into a public environment and they're trying to achieve the same goal, you've got to grease the wheels of player count. You have to, because if not, you're not having a good time in relation to something that's totally out of your control. You already can't control the caliber of players showing up. The last thing, the last thing you want to do is have the results determined not only by the randomness of the caliber of player, but just like the total randomness of the quantity of players in the area. They've got to grease those wheels because, I mean, if every time we ran contact public event, the game, I'm sorry, the tower event, if every time we would have run the tower public event, it always put nine people without fail, the complaints about tower public event probably would have gone down significantly because you would have had more than enough people to handle what was going on. Three people to a plate. People would have naturally kind of synergized up and figured it out and known, I'm going here with these two guys. Those guys are over there. You know, oh, there's there's five of us on one tower. You know, that you naturally would have seen people splitting up. And, I mean, that happens in the menagerie. People just do it. You go in a couple of the environments where people need to be standing on plates and stuff, and people just generally split up on their own. They don't need told or yelled at in, in the in the in the private messages or something like that uh so it to me a lot of the times these events escalation protocol included it comes down to a technical solution in the background that they need to figure out or i would just say stop doing public public space events i mean i'm not saying stop doing public events i'm saying stop doing like a public space activity just stop it if you're not going to match make it then get it the frick out of here like it's just to me it's irritating um i think I think community morale, criticism and complaint would be way would be really really high right now if the guillotine didn't exist. I think people would be so burned out and annoyed with the contact public event they'd be like it's just like the tower event, it's unfun, there's a fail rate, there's people that don't know what the heck they're doing, you know, nobody's running champion mods. Um I really do. I truly think guillotine guillotine saved this season in some respects because it's cool it's fun it's effective it looks cool and it, it overrides so many of the frustrations that would exist in the contact public event as the, as the seasonal activity uh, I do think even without guillotine like we would still have, have like the steel uh, civil or something like that and I think I think like the problem with like the patrol zone being empty is because like how Bungie does like is mass making in patrol like most people like would sparrow to like the next zone from another zone but the problem with that is it reduces time for mass making with uh mm-hmm. like which means you won't find as much people in like uh the patrol zone as you want well and not only that you don't know the player's intention so right now if you go to io anytime contact public event is in the rupture we don't know. I mean, how many people throughout the day go to Rupture, go to the Rupture because they want to see Asher or they're just doing maybe Sanctum of Bones for a, a bounty or something. 
Uh, maybe they're driving through the area to start one of uh, the, the Pyramidian or the uh, or the Festering Core. Because those people, whenever you drive through and you're doing a strike, you end up driving through and seeing people that are in the public space doing public stuff. So, like, so many people end up in your public space and the intention of them being there is not to do anything in the public space. They're either passing through or they're just there to see the NPC or whatever. So this is again why having someone go and initiate something and then all the other people in the area who are also initiating that thing, you do a you do a uh, an instance migration and it puts them all together and then you can run the event together. That to me would be the ideal situation so that when I express interest in doing the contact public event, if I went up and said I want to do heroic contact public events, I go up and I hit the button because there's maybe there's more champions, more bosses. Maybe it's tougher. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's wave base, and I got to do two boss fights at the end back to back. You know, it's pretty challenging. Well, if it puts eight other people in my instance who are also looking to do a heroic contact public event, you have nine interested parties all focusing on the same thing, as opposed to six randoms who are kind of trying to do it. A couple other people who are passing through. Maybe somebody's like, "Oh, I've already done contact public event. This one's not going that well. I'm gonna bounce." You know, I got other things I want to work on. Synergizing the intentions of the player is so, so important. Imagine running Black Armory Forges with one or two people who didn't really intend to be there. It would have been really frustrating early on because we weren't all that strong. We were kind of weak. But the fact that the fact that the forges were matchmade and it threw you in there with two people who were actively looking to do it, it functioned and it flowed a whole lot better. So, did you have anything else, Doge? Uh, nope. Okay, those are good thoughts. I appreciate you calling in, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's good to always consider that aspect of it, of like getting, how are you getting people, you know, how are you getting people into the the environments together? How, you know, how is it all working? So I'm going to go down to Real King Salty. Go ahead, sir. What'd you have for me? Hey, what's going on? What's up? All right, so... To be a little bit more fluid in what I'm saying, I actually wrote down notes, like extensive notes, okay. um, but I'll try not to be too long. Uh, about the world tiers, um, I like Division 2, and whenever you say world tiers, I automatically think of Division 2, because I think they did a phenomenal job in how they tiered the difficulty levels and the loot farms and, mm-hmm. you know, incentivizing people to chase what they're looking for. And uh, I personally think, you know, if they had even somewhat of a similar design, say for a moment they copy and pasted what division did and they had up to five world tiers i think even for the casual player that would not only incentivize but it would help them to kind of like maybe even behind the scenes go up and level like when they're just playing and they're getting better loot better level it would just come up and say hey you qualify for this loot tier or this world tier you know and it would say you know better incentives you know better loot higher level and even a casual player would be like oh okay you know because they're going to go in there at the prescribed light level and yeah things are going to kind of feel a little bit of the same before with maybe a little bit of extra challenge but it would help to kind of grow them in the game and they're not like switching from casual to hardcore necessarily but they are kind of taking advantage of that latter half grind and Mm -hmm. like like passively kind of i guess i want to say this passively being inoculated into it like you know this is normal now this is normal so if they go down to like world tier one from world tier three they're gonna be like wow this is super easy i can't believe i'm doing mm-hmm. world tier three this is like compared to world tier one this is you know this is a little bit harder um trying to think uh oh in the world tier area is about the heroic 
I I think I might have misspoke or I was I was flat out wrong on the way I, way I said it earlier is they could keep like public events for instance regular and heroic so all of the mechanics would stay the same but the higher you go up in the world tier you're naturally the game is naturally going to increase the loot drop rate and increase the quality of loot in relation to armor so if you're going say you're on world tier 5 and you're doing a heroic public event you're going to have a higher chance to get a high roll armor piece out of that chest as opposed to like if you're running world tier 1 heroic you're going to get like a really just run of the mill average you know maybe mid 50s armor piece but if you're running world tier 5 heroic you might get like a mid 60s you know roll on your armor or like even a low 60 at best or at worst Mm -hmm. um uh, what do you think about that yeah it's there's a lot there but i I, i'm going to start with the first part that i i actually think it is important to consider can you take a casual and 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 boil them in the water slowly as it were like you turn the water up slowly and then they suddenly are like oh i've I'm actually enjoying content I didn't think I would enjoy. It's harder. It's not easy. It's not super casual. That would be, I guess you would call that, you know, casual player acquisition. You're kind of getting them to go up and and consider harder content that they ordinarily wouldn't. I've actually talked about that with raids. If casual, maybe more mid lane players saw a normal and a hard mode raid, I wonder if sometimes the psychology of the player would respond more positively to that and say hey we can try out the normal raid you know let's take a crack at the normal raid because it just seems more accessible on the surface and a lot of players that are going to take the time to learn and study watch maybe a video or two or go in and just like do what the sherpa you know kind of instructs them to do a lot of your average players can handle raid difficulty they're just sort of maybe too intimidated or they just don't want to and so I think in a similar way, if you look at just public space or even strikes, when you say, hey, you're now eligible for this new environment, this new difficulty, they may dip their toe in. And as long as it's done in a gradual way and they're getting loot rewards that feel more rewarding, I think that's when you see people start to turn the corner. And a a community member here, I think it was Soldier on Music, who said, Destiny 1 turned casuals into hardcore uh, hardcores and Destiny 2 has turned hardcores into casuals and it'd be cool to flip that back around again and create a funnel of engagement of it's like procedural engagement where you it, it keeps getting dip, you know, slightly more difficult now I think the concern would be that we voiced many many times today if there's too many world tiers you may really really fragment the player base and there wouldn't be enough people in an instance so they'd have to be very very smart about how many that's why I boiled it down to just normal and heroic because there are a lot of people who just be like I don't feel like heroic I think you know a lot of the more casuals more low number of hours a week players would just click normal every time but I do think you would get a lot of people to jump over the fence and say, well, I unlocked this. I might as well take a crack at it. And if it's not that bad, and it's enjoyable and the loot's better. So that now, now I'm segueing to the second part of your question. Stats on the armor being notably better when you go up into the higher version. Uh, this is why currency on armor should be more one-to-one, where if I suddenly get a better pair of gauntlets it's not painful to get rid of them. I, I just delete them, get all the currency back, and then I can invest it in this next piece of armor that's now a 63 instead of a 52. 
or 55 or whatever. Right now, we have what I call currency paralyzation, where you get paralyzed. You're like, I don't want to spend any of my currency because I may get something better. And also, there's new DLC around the corner. So you end up sitting on your currency and doing nothing with it. And I reference Minecraft Dungeons when I talk about this. Whenever you level up in Minecraft Dungeons, you get what is basically a, a, a skill point for your armor. It's like a point of magic. And... Every time you invest in, let's say, the one that I typically go for is, you know, chance to get a critical hit on an enemy. And I like to take that all the way to the top so that it's happening as often as possible. So first it costs me three, then six, then nine. It's really expensive. But I am never paralyzed with whether or not I should spend the points because if I delete that piece of armor because I got another cool piece of armor... I delete that piece of armor, I get all those points back, and then I dump them into the next piece of armor. So yes, there is not this sense of like, oh, I'm slowly leveling up this new piece of armor. It No, you're empowering the player to constantly switch, upgrade their gear, try out different perks, try out different combinations. And in Destiny, we don't necessarily need to be constantly swapping my armor. You swap your gear in Minecraft Dungeons pretty pretty regularly, and that's okay. It's a different style of game. But I think the spirit of what I'm saying is, is so good that I'm never paralyzed. Like, I don't want to spend all this. What if I suddenly get a better armor drop within seconds? I'm going to be so mad that I wasted this. And that's what happens with the armor in Destiny. It's like, well, these are all pretty good stat rolls, but... We're close to the end of the season. I don't really need to take any of this armor up to level 10 and spend the Ascendant Shards because I'm not going into a lot of the hard content where min-maxing is the most important. So I just sit on the currency. All my armor hovers in the 7s, 8s, some 9s, you know, and then I have some 10s, but that's about it. If I knew, okay, I just got this piece of armor, pretty good stat roll, like it, like the look of it, gonna slap some mods on here, gonna, uh, and you know, raise the masterwork up to 10 so we can put as many mods on as possible. And then, like you're saying, it it alerts me to the fact that, hey, new difficulty, you can come up here. I do it, and then I get a pair of gauntlets that drop with great stats. Well, no worries. I, I equip them. I dismantle the, 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 the previous gauntlets that I had already invested in. I get all that currency back, and I dump it into this new, pe- this new gauntlet. Oh, these new gauntlets. Um, I don't know. It's... D2's current system is kind of like factory simulators that only give a portion of the mass required to build the structure back when deleting it makes learning and experimenting very demoralizing. That's exactly right. It's like you're not empowering me to experiment and try different things and shuffle things around. Even on my even on my artifacts, even on my artifact, like if I want to experiment and try some of these other things out, you've immediately discouraged me from doing it, and I'm destiny rich, and I don't want to fiddle around with glimmer costs getting more and more and more and more expensive. Um, now in Minecraft Dungeons you don't even have to delete the armor just give it to the blacksmith and you get your points back I don't I don't know what you're t- talking about oh the guy who upgrades it that's another brilliant decision that they made I can take my level 20 sword hand it to the hand it to the, the blacksmith and while he's upgrading it I get my points back to spend on whatever weapon I decide to equip again it's a brilliant system your decision-making is never paralyzed by the pain of loss. Like, well, I'm going to lose the currency that I spent. I'm going to lose the points that I spent. You're never paralyzed by the threat of arbitrary loss. You've earned these points. You've earned this currency. It's yours. You know, it's yours. You don't have to, you don't have to sit here and, and do virtually nothing with 
you know the uh, the stuff that's dropping. So your suggestions are great because, but they would require changes to the currency payout on dismantle. Uh, you can't have diminishing returns. If I've earned those shards and things, and I pump them all into a piece of armor, I need to know that that investment is not a waste or a risk. I need to know that, like, hey, if I get a better piece of armor, I can shard this thing and I get it all back to dump into the next piece. Um, I think the, the the law of diminishing returns on currency spend in games like this, it actually doesn't serve a greater purpose. You just end up paralyzing the player. And then you could never go to a system like the one that you're describing because then all of the loot I get along the way is superfluous and meaningless. I don't check the stats. I don't experiment. I don't try anything out. I'm waiting for the god roll armor and then I invest in that piece. Uh, it, it really, really, I think, short circuits caring about the spectrum of loot. You only care about the tippity top because everything along the way, there's no sense in investing in it, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that, I agree with that. That's that's a good point. I, and I've been saying that for a while. I agree with you when you said that. I think I think you started uh, really banging on that drum a while back. And I agree with that. And I've said it numerous times because I have pieces of armor in my vault. I have pieces of armor on me right now. And I would like to upgrade them. But, you know, it's like they're good. Like you said, they're good, but they're not that good. So I'll, I might take them up to nine if I feel like they're decent enough. But I'm not going to spend that Ascendant Shard, especially on an exotic that, like, say, I use Ophidian Aspect on my Warlock constantly. Mm-hmm. And I have a good roll. But I don't have the best roll that's, like, maximal or uh, recovery, you know, stuff like that. I don't have the best roll I can get. So it's like I'm only taking it up to nine because I'm going to be real upset if all of a sudden I go to Xur and I get like a 65 with like 20 recovery. I'm going to be pretty salty about that. Yeah, and we didn't plan this, by the way, but I'm on my Titan, and this is one of my common loadouts that I'm running with uh, Armamentarium, and I run Oppressive Darkness, so I got like the two nades, and I've got all the sword mods. Every piece of my armor is a 9, with the exception of my Titan Mark. We did not plan this. This is exactly what I'm talking about. I feel paralyzed. I, I, I can't... I can't justify tipping any of these pieces over, even though I know two, four, six, eight. I'd get eight more points on on basically everything. So so many of my you know my discipline would roll over, my my resilience and mobility. No, my mobility wouldn't roll over. So many of those would 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 roll over or come very close to rolling over if I masterworked all those pieces, because you get the bonus twelve which is two on every stat, so you get a guaranteed eight on every single one. A couple of those are at nine, 21, 91, and 41. Like, that's so, so close to being like, oh, if I, if I maxed all these, then I'd, I, you know, I'd roll a lot of my, uh, my tears over on my, on my build. But basically, I look at my inventory, and I actually don't have any of the ascendant shards. I spent some of them, so we need to get we need to get on the uh, we need to get on the the nightfall grind when those double rewards are back. Um, but it is, I think, it's a system that's that's going to hamstring anything they try to do if they try to go into the, any new system where you're getting more armor, better armor, or improving those stats. You you can't. I don't think it works if people feel that the system is intrinsically unfair and so they don't they don't dump any of the currency and if they keep it intrinsically unfair hoping that well that's how you keep hardcore players engaged because I can already hear somebody saying well Lona what if once you get enough ascendant shards and enough prisms 
you're always floating that balance into the next group of armor. You're always breaking down the armor and carrying over the balance. My pushback would be, number one, not necessarily, because sometimes you don't want to get rid of the armor. Sometimes you're changing armor because one build is different than another. Maybe you're going with swords one week and rockets the next or whatever. If rockets are ever worth a darn. So not necessarily. And second, that still shouldn't be the primary grind for the endgame anyway. Those currencies should be like a bonus when I'm going to the endgame. The real reason to go into the endgame and go into somebody's challenging environment should not be currency that I perpetually need because you take it from me unjustly. I should be going into the endgame for far more reasons than that. Loot. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, other, the other half of that that I had were another part that i wrote down it's talking about you were mentioning instant switching like you know you're, the concern for world tiers is you're going to be in an instance not going to be a lot of people and i heard I, I this isn't like more like an accusation against people who don't understand but i think what you were talking about uh correct me if i'm wrong is for the fluidity of the game there'd be like a back like a server-based uh program in the background that would be constantly scanning the instances and like kind of working like a perpetual feeder and mm-hmm. so it's just constantly going to cycle people in and like you said you're not really going to notice it right off the bat you're just going to notice hey there's more people here it's not like they're going to appear in front of your face right but you're, even if you go in an instance and say you're on world tier five um i kind of like the sound of that on destiny honestly but you go into world tier five and you're like oh man there's only me and another person here and then like one minute later boom like three more people pop up in the instance and it's just it's a constantly a thing so even if you are by yourself you're only going to be by yourself for like maybe a minute or two but by mm-hmm. time you actually get anything rolling with any kind of an event you're all of a sudden just going to have people showing up there right and that's why i thought it would be important to put things in the environment so i can express my intentions because I don't want you migrating people to my 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 instance if they're not trying to do the same thing I'm doing right that's why if I go up and push the button that says I would like to run heroic contact public event is the one that we imagined now, hey I want to run heroic what it does is it scans for 20-30 seconds finds anybody else doing the same thing and slams them into my instance I don't want somebody who's standing at the NPC or driving by on their sparrow Right, because I think what you're saying is exactly what I was getting at. But you have to have something to determine player intention, because there's so many people that could potentially be in your instance that don't give a rip about what you're doing. Maybe they're on a strike. Maybe they're driving through. Maybe they're working on a bounty. Maybe they're literally just there to talk to the NPC. I think that's one of the reasons that the tower event on IO was extremely frustrating anytime it was in rupture and still even now anytime i've had really bad contact public events it's always in rupture it's never anywhere else the few times i've had like man we might fail this there's just not enough people here it's almost always in in the rupture because there's the 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 actual instance i think gets jacked up by people driving through for the two strikes in the area or just going down literally to talk to asher and they end up in your instance and they're not helping. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's pretty much everything I got. Okay. But uh, uh, thank you for the time and uh, enjoy your coffee. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I'll try it tomorrow. Uh, appreciate that. To everybody listening, if you're like, man, that'd be cool to call in and discuss, always keep in mind VIP call-in sessions do not have to be rigid. Uh, if you're just like, man, I want to pick his brain about something in Destiny, like, obviously you can't call in and, like, ask me about, 
you know, reverse sear stakes, even though I could talk about that all day long. It's got to be reasonably on target with Destiny. But uh, if you're like, man, that'd be really fun. You just got to pick a VIP tier either on Patreon or here on YouTube. Click the join button or go to sntrpresents.com and join there as a paying member and then get in the Discord to talk to me live on the air. We will surely be transitioning to repeat theaters, so don't go anywhere if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or any of the podcast platforms. You can always catch me live at saynotesorage.com. As always, please like, share, and subscribe.